Hiya. This minisode is a recording of a sermon Amanda delivered at All Souls Community Church of West Michigan, which is a Unitarian Universalist congregation in Grand Rapids. The sound quality is absolutely terrible, but the message is very beautiful, so listen and enjoy. I am the man that has seen affliction by the rod of God's wrath. I remember my affliction and my wandering. The bitterness and the gall, I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Welcome to the Broken Book Podcast. We're your hosts, Amanda and Sam. And we're ready again this week to appreciate, dissect, criticize, defend, and generally nerd out about the Bible. So, single scoop. It sounds really self-explanatory, right? But I found it can mean different things at different ice cream shops. Um, On the one hand, there was a gelato place I went to in the San Francisco Bay Area, where I they mixed up their ice cream scoop with a melon baller. Um, then, on the other hand, you know, come to an ice cream shop pretty full from dinner and ask for a skin- single scoop so that I wouldn't get a stomach ache. Then watch them helplessly as the person behind the counter first fills up the entire ice cream cone with ice cream and then makes a huge scoop into the ice cream bucket and squishes a gigantic chunk of ice cream onto my single scoop ice cream cone. I found that the phrase, I've been questioning my faith, to be similarly ill-defined. When someone says that, I wonder precisely what they mean. I think of there being two major possibilities. Is this person asking, melon baller little picky questions? Or are they asking, fill up the cone and add more ice cream on the top, big few questions? Little few questions are when you ask how your faith tradition deals theologically with the new issue you run into. You have questions, but you're pretty sure that if you find the right person to ask or the right book to read, you'll find an answer. Big few questions are when you start to be convinced that your faith tradition doesn't have answers to the questions you've been asking. I used to be a pretty bad person to come to with big few questions, though I I was very invested in my faith intellectually. My parents, little brother, and I were all born again when I was around six or seven years old. So I not only grew up in an evangelical church, but I was personally invested in it from a young age. When I went to Calvin College, um, I discovered the Reformed tradition, and I fell in love with the way that it so much better integrated my faith and my intellect. And in fact, when I discerned a call to ministry, I came back for a second helping at Calvin Seminary. I didn't realize it, but I hadn't really asked any big few questions yet. I'd asked little few questions, 
And I found answers for them in my faith tradition that satisfied me well enough. If someone came to me with big Q questions, my response would be to supply little Q answers. In fact, when my husband Jim came to me with some of his big Q questions, that was exactly what I did. Although Jim was the person closest to me, my life partner, it took a long time for me to even realize that he was asking big key questions. Once I understood Jim's big key questions, I started asking big key questions myself. It was a very difficult and painful process, and I grieved a long time over losing beliefs that I held so dear. Eventually, I decided that I needed to move from my conservative faith community and from my conservative seminary to a more liberal ones. And I found a wonderful faith community here at All Souls. And in the fall, I'm going to be going to Meadville Lombard Theological School. One of the hardest parts of this transition for me has been sharing with my family, friends, and professors from that conservative faith tradition. I found out how frustrating it was from the other side to share my big Q questions and sometimes have others dish out little Q answers, just as I had. Worse, when they realized that I was asking big Q questions, some people became anxious about my salvation, which felt very objectifying. But as I've been making this shift, I've also discovered to my delight that there are many other people out there who stayed in a conservative faith community who also asked big key questions. People full of gentleness, humility, and willingness to wonder about who God might be or what God might mean, even as they continue to embrace a conservative faith tradition. These people have become my teachers and have inoculated me against the poison of bitterness toward my previous faith. People who are mired in dogmatic rhetoric may find themselves at odds but between those earnestly pursuing spirituality, willing to ask big key questions, I found that the veil is very thin. C.S. Lewis in The Four Loves says it this way, the one who agrees with us that some question, little regarded by others, is of great importance, can be our friend. They need not agree with us about the answer to that question. One professor at my conservative seminary essentially congratulated me when I shared my big few questions with him. He considered the realization that there is no certainty to be an important stage in building a healthy faith, and one better experienced sooner than late for clergy especially. His response encouraged me so much at a time when I was starting to think that I had been disqualified for ministry. Another professor 
disagreed with me that my questions didn't have good answers, but was totally unflustered by my confession of them, and he listened generously to my story without trying to answer my questions for me. I felt my personhood affirmed by him. It was a remedy to the objectifying experience of having my soul worried over by others. Yet another professor for an independent study suggested the Ronald Rollheiser book that I chose as the reading this morning. It was so healing for me to read a book by a Christian author on a spiritual topic and yet feel included by it, to feel that it still applied to me. It taught me that I've not been irreversibly sundered from the tradition that I grew up in. I can still draw on its strength and on its beauty. Some of my older friends and mentors who I shared my faith change with candidly acknowledged the lack of answers to Big Q questions and shared that they had stayed within a conservative Christian faith because of personal faith experiences they've had, not so much because of answers. They were on one side of the veil, and I was on the other, but what united us was so much greater than what divided us. I felt deeply accepted by them. Some of my friends have well-developed, very liberal Christian theologies, but have stayed in moderately conservative Christian denominations. Talking with them gave me hope that I could find meaning and my own theology again, even without the sort of certainty that I've had before. And our conversations have helped me to develop my own theology and to develop theirs. I've also had some friends for whom hearing about my big few questions and the changes in my faith was extremely painful for them. It even felt like a betrayal. But despite all of the pain that we have caused each other through this transition, they have hung in there with me. They've listened to me. They've accepted me. They've accepted the changes in my faith. And I'm so thankful to them for their faithfulness to our friendship. But the most powerful healing experience with conservative Christianity that I've had thus far was at Pine Rest this summer, where I did some pastoral care training called CPE, in which I worked as a chaplain and also examined those experiences as a chaplain with supervisors and peers. I was extremely nervous about what CPE at Pine Rest would be like. I knew that all of my supervisors and peers would be ordained or in the process of ordination at Christian denominations. I knew I wouldn't be able to hide from them that I was an agnostic because it's a very intensive process. And I worried that they wouldn't fully accept me or that they would question my ability and my authority as an agnostic to minister to people, particularly within a Christian institution. But instead, I found an environment where I felt totally safe to be myself, to declare myself agnostic and not Christian, and my peers and supervisors not only accepted me, but encouraged me that I had ability and I had authority as an agnostic minister. They also challenged me to develop my faith more fully, and I challenged them as well. 
We asked some of the same big few questions together, though we came out with different perspectives. We discovered together that our desire to minister to people brought us together more strongly than our creeds divided us. The veil that separated us was thin indeed. As I've come out more and more about my faith change, it has made me a safer person to talk with about big few questions. So I've talked about them with more people, and I've been surprised to discover so many people asking big few questions. Even people who I had previously assumed believed everything that their conservative churches taught. There seem to be a lot more big few questioners out there than I ever imagined, even in places where I least expected them. Conservative and liberal religion may have many complaints against one another. But in my experience, the people within them often have more in common than they think. We ask similar questions. We care deeply about other human beings. We have chosen different sides of the veil to stand on, but the veil is very thin. I don't really have to tell you guys this. One of the things that most attracted Jim and I to all souls was your openness and your acceptance of people of all beliefs. Many people here, I know, have been hurt by conservative religious traditions, but still an attitude of respect for others' beliefs outshines resentment and bitterness here. It's not easy to keep up that attitude. It's so tempting to slip into the easy sense that those people are wrong and we are right, to slide into speaking of conservative traditions with a little less respect, a little more hostility. Tribalism is an easy path for us humans. Thank you, all souls, for taking that hard path. For taking a stand against that slide in our congregation's culture. It's in the little things. It's in conversations that you have, in tones of voice, in eyes not rolling, in choosing inclusive words. Thank you for your hard work. I am so proud to call All Souls my congregation, especially because I feel confident inviting anyone in. Let me encourage us all to keep it up. Let's remember that the veil is thin. Let's remember that we have more in common with others than we might at first expect. Let's look for that common ground. Let's pay attention to the ways that others' faith helps them be more loving people.